0: You're about to hear my conversation with Richard Wong, who leads our Kundal team, uh, and he's focused on value investing. We talk all about the prospects for value, what's happened in 2022, uh, and where the best value prospects are around the globe. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKinsey Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnurr, and I'm delighted to be here with the lead portfolio manager for the McKinsey Kundal Boutique, Richard Wong. Richard, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'd like to start the conversation on a reflection of this year in 2022. been a very volatile year, Uh, certainly has been a lot of change in the markets and what markets seem to to like. You're a well-known value investor, Richard. How have you found the year and how would you characterize it in general?
1: Well, overall, looking back, it's been a great year for our strategy for value investing in general, but certainly has been a, a tricky year. I mean, we started the year with the war, uh, nobody expected that. And that led to much higher um, inflation rate increases uh, within a very short period of time. Uh, interest rates went up uh, much faster than uh, most people or anybody thought it could have happened. So it was a, a pretty tricky year. Uh, we felt, you know, we managed our, our risks quite well. Uh, and, and, and And generally, and I had said this the last time on this podcast, in a higher inflationary environment and higher interest rate environment, with you know the stoppage of quantitative easing, um, those are great uh, backdrop tailwinds for value strategy because uh, cost of capital matters now. you know when when uh, rates are zero and the, you know central bank's printing money, you know nobody cares about cost of capital evaluation. Now that there is uh, an important consideration of cost of capital in valuation and a strategy that focuses on valuation, like condo, we do our our best job, uh, our best work in this environment. And that's why we're seeing results. And as we look forward to the next year, I I think uh, it seems like inflation might've peaked, but there's a lot of inflation that's sticky, structural, and uh, a lot of the stocks that benefited from the quantitative easing cycle, and certainly benefited from the pandemic, uh, they front load us so much of their earnings, they're, they're gonna continue to struggle and we continue to avoid those. So it's, uh, it's looking to be a very good backdrop going into next year after a successful year. Great,
0: I wanna uh, maybe do a double click on some of the stuff that you were speaking about, particularly interest rates. Uh, clearly related to inflation, higher uh, inflation, uh, I think we can expect to get, receive uh, higher interest rates. There's certainly been no ambiguity from uh, central bankers on that point. Yeah. Um, we have seen recently that there, the idea that we might be getting closer to the peak of interest rates uh, with interest rates uh, being priced to start declining in the second half of 2023 and then through 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious... Uh, those interest rate declines. Do you see that being a headwind to value, um, and and particularly in the context of the absolute level of uh, interest rates being, uh, you know, certainly higher than we've experienced over the past, call it five years before this.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what's what's important, uh, I believe, to a strategy that uh, focuses on valuation, is that the market also has to worry about valuation. I.e., the market needs to worry about that there is a positive and solid cost of capital. So um, we believe that uh, given what we see, you know, there's structural labor shortages that will take potentially a few years to sort out. Uh, there has been underinvestment in materials uh, and you know, energy, metal, and so on. Now, in a recession, which we could see, those are, markets not going to worry about those. But on the other side, the recession, those structural shortages could really continue to sustain a higher level of inflation. So in our mind, even if inflation and interest rates come down from a higher level, uh, it still could be quite positive for value versus growth. On top of that, this sudden and very rapid increase in interest rates have hurt consumer sentiment. So a lot of cyclical stocks are very cheap right now, and they're definitely in the value camp. So as rates come down, uh, we think that drives the beginning of a new cycle, a new economic cycle. And at the beginning, early stages and mid stages of, of an economic cycle, value tends to outperform. So we're actually eagerly looking forward to that. We think that as rates come down, cyclicals will do well, commodities will do well. And, uh, but we are are unlikely to see rates going back down to zero for a long time. I think that was an anomaly. We've had more than 10 years of quantitative easing since the financial crisis. And uh, that was uh, punctuated at the end by the pandemic, which really helped a lot of these, uh, you know, growth stocks that are really just beneficiaries from stay at home and stuck at home and so on. So as that bubble continue to continues to burst and and we think there's some ways to go there. Uh, the market will continue to focus on uh, you know stocks that would benefit from from shortages of, of, of materials and uh, companies that can uh, do well in in and a higher higher inflationary environment versus the last decade it doesn't have to be super high. right
0: um maybe just pick up on on your last point there you were speaking about the stocks that did very well during covid uh i think that most people immediately what comes to mind are either the the big technology plays like the fang stocks um, or the sort of niche, uh, your Pelotons of your world, your Zooms of the world that really had a massive tailwind and the business really came alive during COVID. Um, what's surprising about your portfolio is technology is actually uh, your top sector. So uh, what is it that you're seeing in technology and how do, you, how do you think about that sector as a whole?
1: Well, at Kondo, we uh, look for out of favor stocks. Uh, we look for stocks that have lagged the market. We look for low valuation stocks um and and uh you know this last year uh is the first time in 7 8 years technology is out of favor uh, you see a lot of technology stocks down 40 50% uh within a very short period of time so so having the style that uh drives us to look at out of favor stocks that became a sector that we spent time on and i think when we look at technology we need to separate uh, what is technology. When people think about technology, think Apple, or Microsoft, you know, and 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 these stocks like Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, they did benefit very very significantly from the pandemic, 2020, 2021. Uh, right. in, in in my opinion, they front-loaded three to you know three to five years of of earnings growth within two years. So their comparisons are going to be very difficult. They have already started to disappoint the last Earnings cycle, we we see them all come down significantly, miss earnings expectations and guided to much weaker growth. Um, I think that's yet to play out. Uh, I think there are many quarters of that yet to play out. Yet there are other technology stocks that also got sold off, which did not benefit from the pandemic. Um, and it's kind of like throwing the baby out with bathwater and, and, and these technology stocks have not benefited from the pandemic, their sales actually got hurt. Yet, when the you know they're sold off along with the Fang stocks too, so so they became quite compelling to us. One area that we did like is, um, and we do like now, uh, semiconductors. We are probably uh, near the bottom of the their their the part of their cycle. Uh, we see long-term uh, significant demand for semiconductors of all sorts, going into cars, laundry machines, devices. I think content of semiconductor per Equipment or device at home or in, in in commercial industrial users are going up, so that's a long term uh, secular growth. And these stocks could be had for single digit, low double digit multiples right now. So we like those. Uh, we also like um, uh, cloud based businesses that have uh, trans that are starting to transition or they are in the cloud business and continue to grow. Yet their shares have been hammered. Uh, you know the laggers like Oracle and SAP. You know they're they're very cheap compared to Microsoft and others who have done well earlier on. And these guys are just starting to transition to cloud and with a lot of growth to come. And then the other cloud services companies like Salesforce, which have been very steady with their growth and and their prices come down to value range. And we don't see them uh, being hurt by a return to normal or return to office or end of pandemic. So we like those. And then we also have a deep value tech stocks, IT service company called DXC, that's really cheap, like six times PE, that's uh you know re- repairing their balance sheets and um, and uh, fixing the margins so 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 that's been an area that we we find uh, I- ideas in and you know this style it's not um, constrained by sectors you know just because we value doesn't mean we're only gonna buy you know commodities and so on if uh, if tech is out of favor we uh, we will look there and we do um, it's just it hasn't been out of favor for a long time finally it is
0: right. Um, well uh, interesting to see you uh, have the flexibility to sort of go into those sectors. Um you reference commodities being more a mainstay of the value investor. We talked about commodities last time uh you were on the podcast. Certainly it's been an interesting year for commodities with the war uh Russia Ukraine and and all the um uh concerns about energy uh and supply chains in general. What's your current stance on commodities? What do you hold within the portfolio and and where are you, do you have uh, Areas of optimism.
1: Yeah, long term, you know, beyond the next two, three years uh, or uh, beyond the current six, nine months, I'm very bullish on the opportunities in commodities because I do see there's significant underinvestments. And uh, for example, copper is uh, it's a green metal. Uh, electrification right. requires a lot of copper. But in the near term, the concerns about a potential recession is going to hold these uh, these metal stocks back. So we are going to wait and see the dust settles. We wanted to see that we get to the other side of either a soft landing or get to the other side of the recession for uh, for for us to uh, you know be much more constructive with copper. We do have we do own tech, which is uh, a great copper play, and they are one of the two companies. are bringing on significant supply of new copper mine to the world those are very difficult to get i think between tech and anglo-american they're bringing their uh, new copper mine uh, in the next uh, six to nine months beyond that you're going to see many years without new supply so uh, we're watching china obviously this this uh, lockdown so as we see china really opens up uh, i think that will be an opportunity to see better growth for these metals i mean china still consumes more than half of the world's copper. So that's important to watch for. In terms of energy, we are more constructive and we are overweight energy. We have been overweight, overweight energy all year and has been the right move. The energy companies we own are global major producers, integrated producers, generating a lot of cash. They've been beating estimates, paying huge dividends, buying back stock. And we're seeing, although there is a concern about a recession, on the supply side, we are seeing OPEC cut production now. Uh, and, and also the US have, has already released these strategic reserves at which they will have, at some point they have to buy back. Uh, right. On top of that, the sanctions against Russia are kicking in in December. Uh, so we think that the supply constraints are quite tight in energy and, and that offsets the concern about bumpiness and in demand. And China recently announced that you know they're allowing more f- flights in and out of the country. There's some early indication that maybe we're at the beginning of an opening. I think we're gonna have to see some solid evidence of that before we are comfortable with that. But but that's positive uh for, for energy. So so we 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 like energy. Uh, there's still very little investment going into new energy resources. And during the energy transition, right now we do need them. You know, I think right. maybe ten, fifteen years later, that may be a concern. But right now, we really need the crude, and and that's why even Biden is jawboning all the oil companies to produce more. But the sure. public companies are sticking to their capex plans. They're very stringent with their capex, so that creates a tight, tight supply situation that that stays.
0: That's great. Um, Just to reflect on one of the comments that you made about uh, commodities or metals in general uh, and about waiting for um, sort of more clarity. Um, And I just want to grab a hold of this and pull the thread a little bit. Uh, Last time you were on, you talked about a catalyst and making sure that the the value stocks that you hold have some sort of catalyst. Um, My view is that over the past, call it three years or so, uh, market reaction has been very rapid to new information. I think it's always been fairly efficient, but it seems like it's really in overdrive. The The current cycle that we're living through seems like it's been very compressed now. Maybe that's a unique thing because of COVID, but my my sense is that the, the reaction function of the market is, is very fast. One, do you agree with that characterization? And two, if you do, how do you think about that when actually waiting for sort of, the right time to enter a trade like metals—it doesn't have to be metals, but something along those lines.
1: Yeah, you know the mar- market is moving very fast. This cycle has been very condensed. I think the last cycle was also very condensed. I think sure. the market no longer waits for things to happen; it anticipates uh, much faster. So that would also mean that uh, as an investor, you cannot wait for for something to actually happen before you have a position in it. Uh, especially value stocks, right? They're cheap for a reason, and we're waiting for a catalyst. and uh, so and um so the way we look at it is we would uh, ch- you know alter our position size. you know, for example, um, you know, China is a case in point, right? I mean, China cannot be in a lockdown forever, but they could be in a lockdown for another six months or another twelve right. months. We don't know. Uh, sure. but so so does that mean we own zero in China? Uh, you know China is very cheap. China shares are very cheap right now. I mean, they mm-hmm. definitely fit into the value category. Does that mean we won't we won't will any until there's an official announcement from China? You know, if and then when that happens, market could be up fifteen percent. You know how fast market it. moves. Sure. So so what we do is we do things incrementally. You know, as as the uh, the language has changed, you know, we will have a you know we have like a one one point one percent position in China. But as as the language continues to change. As the companies we own uh, report their earnings and in, and as they turn incrementally less negative, right? They don't have to turn mm. positive at less negative. That will give us a sense that direction might be changing. So we might build up our position. Um, you know, March is generally usually where local government officials get appointed. You know, after the the big Congress they had. So right. that could be a very interesting time to watch for where the local officials once they get the job secure, feel like they can finally open up. Um, so I, I think chances, you know, that's an opportunity for us in 2023 and, and, and we will look for change in the second derivative, you know, the change of direction and not, not, not in an absolute announcement of also in terms of positioning ourselves so that we start to benefit when things turn and we we'll probably add to it as things turns because p- things are so cheap, even if they jump five, 10%, it's still really cheap.
0: Right. Um... That great explanation. Uh, you referenced China as part of that example. Just to ask a follow up on China, you referenced the uh, zero COVID policy as a as a catalyst uh, there to unlocking value in China. Is there anything else coming out of the twentieth uh, um, Party Congress? Uh, that you're looking at as an investor uh, i think that the overall sort of narrative on the street or narrative in the press i should say uh, mm. has been that uh, there's less growth oriented people as part of the standing committee do you buy into that or or is it really just uh zero covid that's hurting the growth prospects
1: the the makeup of the uh, the top seven uh politicians uh leaders in china certainly that's that's changed um that is something we do think about you know I think I think ultimately that will determine the size of the exposure you know we we have to China. Uh, it, it certainly is something to think about whether uh, President Xi cares about driving the economy or does he really more care more about security, sovereignty, and growing um, a military presence in the region. So that's something that that uh, we have to monitor very uh, seriously. But for a company, for a country to grow, even militarily, they need a strong economy. I think they would understand that you need foreign currency, you need you need capital, you need to build up a reserve, you know. So just the, to to have uh, a vibrant uh, military or to make sure that uh, you are uh, a strong country, they cannot disregard the uh, the economy. So um, so I think that there's a balance there. Uh, certainly, you know, we are we're. Value investors, right? So, so we're enticed by valuation, moderated by risks that we see, and that would translate into how much exposure we have. I think, I think uh, that's what we have to do. And uh, but there, there's, there's, there are opportunities there, uh, but but it could be bumpy, and uh, you know we have to see the development. I mean, most recently the the, the encounter, you know, the meeting between Xi and uh, Biden. Sound the, the 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 dialogue and the, the material that I read out of that meeting seems a lot more constructive. They are changing right. their tune a little bit, and they will do what they need to do to do to achieve what they need to achieve. I think I think there's a lot of economic catch up to do in China.
0: That's great, Richard. Uh, maybe I'll I'll throw out one last region uh, before I let you go, uh, and that's the UK. Um, certainly, uh, politically, the UK has been a bit of a um, chaotic, let's call it, Um, and uh, with the trust, uh, short-lived trust government and the uh, financial proposals being thrown out there. Um, Famously, though, the UK market doesn't have a ton of domestic um, exposure within the businesses. I see that the UK is uh, your second largest holding by geography uh, outside of the US. Are you finding value there in businesses that are uh, oriented to domestic UK um, economy, or they just happen to be listed in the UK?
1: Yeah, it's the latter. You know, we mm-hmm. find large global companies that happen to be domiciled in in, in the UK. Um, you know, the market in general, the UK UK market in general is uh, is quite cheap, and um, you know the the whole U, the UK political environment is causing a lot of volatility. Sure. Uh, You know, um, but but the the companies we own they have have global exposures. You know, for example, like we talked about how we overweight energy. We own Shell. Mm-hmm. Michelle is right. happened to be domiciled in the UK, and that doesn't have a ton to do with U, U, UK economic development. I mean, they could be challenged. They have they have a very high inflation rates, and obviously, being severed from, you know, ever since Brexit, they've had a, a slowdown. Um, and that's caused capital to leave the country. But there are global businesses there that are very sound. Like, we own a company called Coca Cola European Pacific, uh, CCEP. They happen to be domiciled in the UK, but they're a global Mm -hmm. bottler. They're the largest bottler for Cook. You know, they distribute throughout Europe and Asia and just happen to be located in UK. It's at a very low multiple. It's It's a great value stock that's very stable.
0: Well, Richard, uh, I appreciate you spending so much time walking uh, around the globe and talking about different uh, companies. Uh, uh, Certainly a lot of uh, optimism that's coming through, I think, this conversation about value investing in Kendall specifically. So again, thank you very much for spending the time.
1: Well, thank you, Matt. Pleasure.